Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. Listen to what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. For we walk by faith, not by sight. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, Walk by Faith, Not by Sight. Pray with me. God, thank you for this time to be here, Lord. Thank you for your love and your grace. Thank you for... Your holy word, God, as we look to it today, I pray you'd be our teacher. Father, I pray you'd anoint me with the Holy Spirit to say the things that would honor you, that would glorify you, that would be sound doctrine. God, I pray that you would teach us today what you would have us to know. Impart this truth to us, God, that we can be and do all that you've called us to be and do. In Jesus' name, amen. The whole verse is basically the title of the message, Walk by Faith not by sight. Now, if you've been coming for any length of time, you know what I normally do is read all the verses and then go back and teach those verses verse by verse, phrase by phrase, word by word, so we can get a more clear understanding of what it's saying. But this verse is so short, walk by faith, not by sight. Let's just say it together. Walk by faith, not by sight. One more time. Walk by faith, not by sight. I'm going to give you an example out of the Old Testament, and that's where we'll bring our teaching from today. But I wanted you to see this verse in its most simple form in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. Now, if you've got your Bible and you want to follow along in your book, you can flip over to 1 Samuel chapter 16. While you're finding 1 Samuel chapter 16, and all these verses will be on the screen for you today, our book of the month for December is the Gospel according to John. And I want you to spend some time this month in John's gospel and learn about Christ. Today we're going to be looking at 1 Samuel chapter 16. I am going to read quite a bit of scripture, but I'm not going to read it and then go back and go over it. I'm going to go over it as we read it. Look at verse 1 in 1 Samuel 16. Now the Lord said to Samuel, come. I'm going to slow it down today like a Wednesday night teaching time. You ought to come out to midweek Bible study. We slow it down. We have interactive discussions sometimes. We get feedback. It's a great time. But let's look at it from a Bible study aspect today as if we were here on a Wednesday night. Now, the Lord said to Samuel, comma. You always have to pause on the punctuation. Pay attention to the punctuation when you read Scripture. Who is talking to Samuel? Y'all are all geniuses and half of y'all are asleep. The Lord is talking to Samuel, and this is what he said. You have mourned long enough for Saul. Period. You got to think about these things. Take the scripture in bite-sized chunks. Don't just gloss over it. Don't just read through it verses and verses and chapters and chapters. And take it in bite-sized chunks and try to figure out what it's saying. The Lord said to Samuel, you have mourned long enough over Saul. Samuel loved Saul. Samuel approved of Saul. Samuel was excited about things that were happening. Saul was the king and God had blessed them under Saul's administration in many different ways and Samuel was upset that Saul wasn't going to be the king anymore and God said you mourn long enough for Saul. There's a different message this morning but I want you to get it those of y'all that need that word. Some of y'all need to quit crying over some stuff and move on. Look at somebody and say move on. 
Sometimes you just got to suck it up and move on. Sometimes you just got to say that was then, this is now, and today is a new day. Some of y'all need a new day attitude. Some of y'all need a fresh attitude that says this is a new day for me. This is a new season. You don't have to wait until January 1st to get a new year attitude. You don't have to wait until a new year comes around to get your new ideas going. Some of y'all have been mourning for stuff too long, just like Samuel. And God said you've mourned long enough. For Saul, I have rejected him as king of Israel. So fill your flask with oil and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be my king. And see, God wants to establish a king. Now, if you've studied the Bible, you've been around church long enough, you probably know that Israel didn't have a king before Saul. Saul was Israel's first king, and they wanted him to be the king because he was big, strong, good-looking. He met all their criteria, what they thought a king ought to be. God told him, you're not ready for a king. They pressed the issue. God gave him a king. But now God wants to give them his choice. I want you to know, if you don't get anything out of the message today, God's choice for you is better than what you think the best choice is. Did you hear that? See, we walk by faith. And not by sight. You might see a choice that looks like a good choice, but there's a difference between a good thing and a God thing. Are you hearing me? We've got to get to the God thing and leave the good thing alone. He tells him to go to Bethlehem, find a man named Jesse, and one of his sons is going to be my king. Verse 2, he said, but Samuel asked, how can I do that? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. See, Saul ain't all the way out the door yet. And Saul has killed his thousands. And he knows that if he finds out I'm anointing someone else, because that was Samuel's job as the priest to anoint the king to lead and to rule and to reign, he said, if Saul hears about this, it's going to be trouble. And God said, take a heifer, a cow with you, the Lord replied, and say that you've come to make sacrifice to the Lord. Now, here's the thing. You should never lie. And you should never stretch the truth, and you should never bear false witness. See, lying is lying outright. Bearing false witness is saying something and making somebody, saying it in a way where people will believe something different. But there are times when you are on a mission from God where you have to learn how to keep some things to yourself. The Bible says in Proverbs 12, 23, that prudent people conceal knowledge, but a fool just tells people everything. You don't have to speak on every subject. That's a good word for somebody. You don't have to reply to every post you see on the Internet. You don't have to get your word out to everybody. Are you hearing that this morning? So he says, okay, well, you are going to go make a sacrifice to the Lord. So tell him that that's what you're doing. In verse 3, he says, invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I'll show you which one of his sons to anoint for me. I want you to look in verse 3. God is talking to Samuel. He's telling him what to do for this anointing process of the next king. And in the middle of the screen, he said, I will show you. Now, if somebody shows you something, what do you, what do, you do? If I show you something, what, what are your eyes doing? Your eyes are seeing. But we saw in our first verse that we walk by faith, not by so we got to understand God's going to show him something, but God doesn't always show you something the way you think he's going to show you something. When God said, I'm going to show you which one of his sons to anoint for me, 
He's thinking, all right, I'm going to see this thing when I get there. Look at verse 4. So Samuel did as the Lord instructed. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town came trembling to meet him. What's wrong? They asked. Do you come in peace? Now, here's the prophet of God. He's coming, and he, you know, when the prophet comes to your house, it's not always good news. You may be getting called out. You may be getting told on. You, you, you may have some pending judgment coming your way. So they were concerned about that, and they asked if you come in peace in verse 5. Yes, Samuel replied, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Purify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then Samuel performed the purification rite for Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. Okay, so Samuel's doing exactly what God told him to do. And in verse 6, when they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. Look at verse 6 with me again. When they arrived, Samuel took what? One look. It was love at first sight. Let me tell you about love at first sight. You're more likely to have lust at first sight than love at first sight. Y'all don't want to agree with me, but I'm telling you the truth. He took one look and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. He's the prophet of God. He is the closest thing to God moving on the planet in the world at that time. And so he ought to be able to trust his gut. Listen, sometimes your gut will lead you wrong. Well, I just feel it deep down. Sometimes your feelings will lead you wrong. Well, I just see it this way. This is how I see. Sometimes your eyes will lead you wrong. And he thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. But look what happened in verse 7. The Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. You've been hearing that verse in different versions for a long time. God judges on the inside. Man judges on the outside. See, people can see what you're wearing today. People can see how you look. They can see how you present yourself, how you carry yourself. But we can't see on the inside. We need to stop judging people by what they look like on the outside. Dr. King said it properly. You shouldn't judge somebody by by the color of their skin, but rather by the content of their character. You can't see the content of somebody's character at first sight. You got to watch them for a minute. And Samuel made the mistake so many people made. He looked on the outside and he thought, man, this dude just looks like a king. He just looks like he needs to be in charge of something. But God wanted him to know and God wants us to know today that even though people judge on the outside, God looks at the heart. In verse 8, then Jesse told his son, Abinadab to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, this is not the one the Lord has chosen. Now, this has got to be rough on these kids. Seven of them, they're all out there. The oldest one steps forth on his own because he's like, you know, it's got to be me because I'm, I'm the biggest and the toughest and the, and the best out here. But then after Samuel knocks him down, none of the rest of them want to step up. So d- the dad tells Abinadab to step up. Now, what if? You were one of those other dudes, and you're like, well, why are you letting him go up? What about me? See, that's a what about me spirit that's been in the earth from day one. Don't worry about what God does for other people. Don't worry about who's getting promoted in front of you. Don't worry about what's happening that's out of your control. 
Jesse tells Abinadab to step forward. Now, you got to believe in his mind. He's like, ah, the oldest didn't get it, but I'm about to get it because Dad's putting me up. Nope, not you either. Samuel said, this is not the one the Lord has chosen. Look at verse 9. Next, Jesse summoned Shimea, and Samuel said, neither is this one the Lord has chosen. In the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. You realize sometimes you put all your best options up before God, and he says no to everything? Sometimes no is a bigger blessing than you recognize it for. Sometimes God not giving you what you think you need is a bigger blessing than what you recognize. Verse 11, then Samuel asked, are these all the sons you have? (laughs) And in Jesse's mind, he's like, well, all the good ones. All the ones I cared to call to this party. All the ones that I thought were relevant and important. I love parents who say, I don't have any favorites. I love all my kids the same. Well, you may love them all the same, but some of them get on your nerves. Four honest people in the room. Some children are just easier to work with than others. And you got your idea about which one is most suited for this and which one is most suited for that. And this dad was so sure that his youngest son didn't have any reason to be there, he didn't even bring him. Samuel said, are these all the sons you have? Well, there's one, the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the fields watching sheep and goats. And Samuel said, send for him at once. We will not sit down until he arrives. Verse 12, so Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome. Now, this version says dark and handsome. The Hebrew word in this verse says it, it's, it's a word, amayashe, which means reddish or sun-drenched. Every other translation you'll read is it was I thought, as I looked at it, I thought, well, maybe he's trying to say he was tan, but the word used there was the same word used for when Esau came out of his mother's womb. Anybody remember what color he was? Red. So every other translation says ruddy, which is not a word that we use, but he was out in the sun a lot. He had a red complexion, and he was handsome with beautiful eyes. Now, that should have thrown him off right there, because let me tell you something. I don't trust good-looking preachers. Now, if you're prettier than me, you shouldn't be preaching. You just shouldn't. Good-looking, good-hair preachers, watch out for them because they're making their rounds through the choir. And they're doing too much home visitating. Amen? I'm making words up for y'all, but I'm telling y'all the truth. Listen, I ain't telling you what I heard. I'm telling you what I know. Ugly preachers get enough heat. Them good-looking preachers need to mind their own business. So they should have they, they been checking this guy from the beginning. But he comes up there good-looking, out in the sun, got his little tan on, and the Lord said, this is the one. Anoint him. Verse 13, so as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Then Samuel returned to Ramah. So what we just seen here is the first anointing of several that David goes through. David is a boy at this point. He's 10 to 15 years old. He's the youngest son. This is the first time he finds out from the voice of God that he is going to be the king. 
But what we just saw goes along with our text verse, walking by faith, not by sight, because even the father of these kids was thinking with his natural mind. He was thinking the one that looks right for the job was the one that should have the job. Listen, we live in a visual age. We live in an age where people judge so much with their eyes. They, they see stuff and they jump right on it. We live in a time where it's more important how somebody looks than, than how, how they actually act. And be careful that you don't make that mistake. I'll give you a business principle real quick for those of y'all in business. All business schools teach that you should hire slow and fire fast. Do you get that? Hire slow. And that's a good word for you ladies in here, too, when, when you're interviewing men for the job of husband. Listen, go slow, but kick them out quick before you marry them. Once you marry them, you're stuck like Chuck. You ain't nothing you can do about it. You got to just deal with it. But you should not judge everything on appearance, even though we live in a totally visual age. And in, in the text we read, we, we see the, the man of God is looking to anoint the next king. And, and even Samuel, who had been serving God his whole life, falls into this trap of thinking he can see what God already promised to show him. See, here's what happens. When we know God has a promise for us, many times we get ahead of God. Many times we want to work it out for God. Many times we want to put our own twist on it for God. God said, I'll show you. Samuel went there immediately and tried to make his own choice. He tried to make his own pick. That, that's not walking by faith. That's walking by sight. See, people want to get the one with all the bells and whistles, the, the flash and the glitter. I had an old man tell me one time, don't ever buy a car with power windows. And I'm like, power windows are the stuff, man. What are you talking about? Yeah, it's just one more thing to break down. You know how a regulator go out on my power window and my navigator a couple of months ago, and I'm, I remember them words. I thought, man, if there was a hand crank on there, I could get that window down right now. I don't even th- Do they make hand cranks anymore? Boy, you used to be somebody. It, they used to be like power windows and power door locks. You were like, look at me, clink, 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 clink. And now you can't get them without it. But people want flash. People want glitter. You need to remember what old folk know. All that glitters isn't gold. Everything that catches your eye is not really worth looking at. So we got Samuel going around. He's, he's, walking, he's walking by sight, the man of God. And the Bible tells us that uh, we got to walk by faith. Now, if we could all do that, if we really walk by faith and not by sight, our whole world would be different. Our whole world would change. Do you know, and I don't know about this, I, I mean, I'm, this election really, really shocked me and stunned me. I know it did many of you as well. I don't even know which one of the dudes is taller, but... Oh, well, he's got to be taller. So I guess it held up. I mean, they, they showed them side by side in the parallel, but Trump's like this and she's like that. So it has continued. Do you know every election in the history of this country, the taller man always won? Hillary should have put on some platform shoes. But people have been judging off looks for so long. I want you to spend some time this week and try to figure out, is there something that you are allowing your eyes to see that faith would tell you different. Like, no, Pastor, I walk by faith. I, I, I don't walk by sight. Check yourself. Check yourself and see how you're doing because it will change your world if you start letting God lead you instead of finding your own way. 
We saw that when Samuel saw the oldest one, he said, this has got to be it. We saw Jesse go through all of his boys thinking that they had to be it, but they got to the last one. Sometimes it's the one that others have overlooked. Sometimes it's the one that others didn't think could do it. Listen, I want you to know that it is very important that you get your self-esteem from God. We live in a world where people are trying to have motivational preachers. The largest church in America is being pastored by a motivational speaker. A man who who self-admits he has very little theology. He didn't spend his life studying the Bible, but he's a great motivator. Listen, people are trying to build self-esteem because so many people have run self-esteem down. Listen, you need to realize you are who God says you are. Don't, don't let voices in your head try to tell you you're less than what God says you are. That, uh, his own dad didn't even care enough to invite him to the party. Some of y'all were raised in families like that. I was raised in a family where we were told every day that we were stupid and no good. And then by, by a man who had, I don't even know if he finished high school. And, and we all went on to get college degrees and advanced degrees. And, but we were told that we were no good and we would never amount to anything. And I know some of you came from backgrounds like that. Listen, don't let other people speak into your destiny. Only God is in charge of your destiny. Only God can tell you how far you can go. Don't let your own mind limit how far you can go. There was nobody in that whole family, not the father, none of those brothers, none of them thought that the next king was going to be little David. Little David out there keeping a couple of sheep. They didn't think it was going to be him. But listen, God makes his own choice. Can you agree with that this morning? God had a choice and God made his choice. Now, you got to think, well, what kind of choice is that? Who picks a 10-year-old to, to be the next king? He was, theologians say he was somewhere between 10 and 15 years old. Who picks a little child, unprepared, little boy, to be the next king? The Bible tells us God's ways are not our ways. We got to start believing that God knows what he's doing. If I went around and asked each one of you one by one on a microphone, do you believe God knows what he's doing? Do you believe God knows what he's doing? Amen. Do you believe God knows what he's doing? Yes, sir. Everybody would say they believe God knows what he's doing. Well, why are you staying up late worrying about what's happening in your life? If you know that God knows what he's doing. Why are you concerned about who, why, who's here, who's gone, who's alive, who's dead, who's sick, who's healthy? God knows what he's doing, and God makes the right decision every time. He chose the least likely one, but sometimes God would just do that. Now, see, you got this dude coming in behind Saul, which is just almost unthinkable in the natural Because the Bible says Saul was head and shoulders taller than everybody else. Saul was big, strong, good-looking, athletic. His name means natural ability. He was the people's choice. He had everything to look at that you would expect a leader to be. If you stack David next to Saul, it would be a laughing match. People would be like, he can't do what he can do. But I want you to know the Bible says little as much if God is in it. And you better make sure that God is in all the choices that you're trying to make. See, what David David had something that people weren't watching because if you read the stories in the Bible about David, you'll find out that while all the rest of them were getting big and strong, David was out there worshiping the Lord. David was a worshiper. He was also a warrior. He did his share too. But David had a love in his heart for the Lord that, listen, can't always be seen with the eye. Not on first glance, 
Remember, the man of God took one look and made a decision. Be careful about how quick you make your decisions. I'm so thankful that even though people look on the outside, that God sees our heart. God saw Peter's heart. Remember the story in the New Testament about Peter? He denied the Lord how many times? We know that now. Don't you think all his friends knew that? All the other apostles knew that. All the other disciples, they knew that. How bad must he have felt knowing that he had talked all that smack and then he's the one that betrayed, uh, not betrayed him, but denied him three times. He's the one after being the leader of the 12 that turns him down. But when Jesus in his resurrected form came and sat down to have a meal with them and he asked Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, yes. And the Lord said, feed my sheep. Then he asked him again, do you love me? Peter said, yes. He said, feed my sheep. And the Bible says he asked him a third time, do you love me? And the Bible says it burdened Peter's heart that he asked him the third time. He's asking him in front of all these people and all his friends, and they're all thinking he don't love the Lord. He denied the Lord. Get on him, Jesus. He don't love the Lord. He, he, he did wrong. He told people he don't know Jesus. Get on him, Lord. But Peter looked at Jesus with a burdened heart, with a hurting heart, and said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. I want you to know today God knows your heart. I'm so thankful that God knows my heart because in 36 years, 35 years of following God, there's been many times that I failed the Lord. There's been many times that I made mistakes, sometimes just flat out rebelled, sometimes just went the wrong way on purpose. Anybody but me? I'm the only one. Y'all are looking at me like y'all are holy. Listen, only God is holy. But every time, God knew my heart. People might look at you. Listen, here's how church folk do. It, like brother, brother David was uh, leading our children's after school program th- this week. Um, somebody could look at Brother David, and if they knew some dirt on him, could say, I know this, 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 and this about him, and he ain't even fit to do that. Why you got to pick on Brother David? Well, I could pick on you too because there's dirt on you too. Anybody know that? Amen. And people, this is how church people do. Well, I don't think she's fit to be in that ministry. I don't think she should be overseeing that. I don't think he should be the one doing that. Why? Well, I heard that they did thus and though and this and that. Listen, everybody's done thus and though and this and that and the other that you didn't know about. But God knows the heart of everyone. I'm thankful that while other people could have looked and said, well, he did so and so, that every time God knew my heart. If you love the Lord, you ought to be glad for every mess up that you ever had because God still knew your heart through it. You ought to be glad for every time you felt weak because God was cheering you along every bit of the way. I told you if we walk by faith and not by sight, the world would be better. But I'm going to give you three quick ways to make that transition from living a normal life to living a faith life. Because the reality is the majority of what's happening in the body of Christ around the world is done in the natural. And God's religion is supernatural. The majority of what's happening in churches today is done in the natural. See, anybody, we, we don't do it. You're like, well, if anybody could do it, why, why don't y'all do it? Anybody could take out billboards. Anybody could put public service announcements on the radio. Anybody with a slick marketing campaign can fill up a church building. All you got to do is market it right. And don't tell the truth all the time because, you know, the truth will bother folk. But anybody can market stuff, anybody can hire good musicians, anybody can do all the things that churches that are growing and building big churches do right now in the natural without God ever getting involved in it a bit. 
But I'd rather see the Lord because what did Jesus say? I'll build my church. So people ask, what's the strategy? What's abundant life strategy for growth? Prayer and fasting? Well, how are we going to get people in? Teach them the truth? Rebuke them when they're wrong? Tell, tell them what's right and what's wrong? Stand up and teach the word? Well, you know what? That's not popular in today's world, but i got to stand before God and give an account for what I said, not for what's popular. Amen? Let me give you three things, though, because so many people are doing church and doing life without any supernatural element to it. If the truth would be told, if you'd be honest right now, you ain't felt the Holy Ghost in a long time. You ain't felt the touch of God in a long time. Some people can't even remember the last time something amazing happened in their life spiritually. I'm going to give you three quick ways to transition. Say transition. We're about to go into a new year, and I want you to get a jump start. On 2017, I want to give you three things that you can do that are going to kick you into the proper lane that God would have you to be in. First thing you need to do is learn to slow down. Learn to slow down. First mistake Samuel made is taking one look and making a decision. He made a quick decision. Learn how to slow down. This holiday season that we're in, people are going to try to push and pull and tug and tow you. Got to go here. Got to go there. Got to have... How many of y'all got to eat more, more than one meal on Christmas just to keep everybody happy? You know, you got to go eat at her house, and then you got to go eat at their house, and you got to make an appearance over here, but we're just going to get dessert over. Listen, tell them folk no. Well, if I tell them no, they won't invite me back next year. Hallelujah. More sleep for you. Learn how to say no. Samuel was the man of God, but he was too quick to say yes. You got to learn how to slow down in life. People rush through things, and when you rush, you mess up. I told you, just because it looks good doesn't mean it is good. You got to learn to differentiate between good and God. You, you know, if it looks too good, it probably is. Stop believing the lies of everything that you, you it just looks like it's going to click. You just, as soon as you saw it, you knew it was going to work right. You got to slow down. We need to stop making hasty decisions on what we see with our eyes. We got to let faith lead us. We need to slow down, learn how to pray about things. That's what, it used to blow me away. When I was in a church, when I was going to Bible college, I was in a church, and they had business meetings every month. And they'd do it on a Wednesday night where they could rush stuff through when everybody wasn't there. So they wanted to, you know, have a vote with, with just who they wanted to be there. But they'd put microphones out in the church aisles, and they, they weren't run by the Bible. They were run by what we call Robert's Rule of Order. It's a book that says how to have a business meeting. And they would say all the things they wanted to say, and then the pastor would say, the deacons and I have determined that what we would like to do is this. Uh, and then they'd have, can I have a motion? And somebody would just love to be the one. Motion! And then before he even asked, somebody would be screaming what? Second, because then you got to have a second. You have a motion and a second, then you have to have discussion. Any questions? And then at that time, you'd vote. We voted on a Wednesday night to spend $700,000 to pave the back corner of the parking lot so people wouldn't have to park in the grass. And I'm thinking the whole time I'm sitting there thinking, I don't know if we need to pay that for $700,000. That's a lot of money. We could reach a lot of souls for $700,000. But here's the thing. They threw this idea out there on us. They let people get up and complain on the microphone, and then we took a vote on it. Guess what we didn't do on it? We didn't pray on it. We didn't slow down on it. We didn't take time on it. And guess what? Church ended up in debt. 
Church ended up struggling. Church ended up not being able to pay that bill, and it went downhill from there. I want you to learn how to slow down and pray. Say pray. We need to learn how to pray and hear what God has to say on a subject because things aren't always what they appear to be. Pray your way through. Pray your way through about every decision. The Bible says you should pray all the time and pray about everything. 1 Corinthians 4, 5 says to judge nothing before the time. You, you got to understand, God is a God of seasons. God is a God of timing. And you got to make sure that you're flowing in the right time. You got to be in the right season. What, what might be good for you down the road might not be right now for you just yet. But you got to learn how to slow down. You got to learn how to pray and hear what God has to say. Second thing, learn to hear God's voice. Learn to hear God's voice. Now, if I walked around, put the microphone in front of everybody, and said, tell me the last time you heard God's voice and what he said to you. Now, y'all know some people don't want that microphone in front of them for that. Because I've had many people tell me, and I love honesty. I love honesty more than you can imagine. I would, I would rather you tell me something awful that was the truth rather than something beautiful that was a lie. I just value honesty. And, and I've had people tell me, Pastor, you talk about hearing from God. I've never heard from God. And it to save people that haven't learned how to hear the voice of God. Now, there's the other extreme of that, people who hear God all the time. Listen, be, be careful on them folk. Be careful on those folk that God always has a word for them. Be careful on people who, who believe that God talks to them every day in an audible voice, just like, okay, now when you get up in the morning, put your left foot on the ground first and not your right foot. Those people are flaky. They hear voices in their head, but it's not God. How do I know? Because if you could really hear God like that, that clearly, you wouldn't need faith. You can't walk by faith for words that you hear all the time. You'd be walking by hearing. And not only do we not walk by sight, we don't walk by hearing, but we have to learn how to hear God's voice. There's a difference in hearing God's voice and hearing what you might think that you're hearing. If I asked you, have you ever heard God's voice? If you're being honest, some would say yes and some would say no. Let me give you a hint. If you don't read the word a lot, you don't hear God's voice. If you live shabby, you don't hear God's voice. The primary way God speaks to us is through his word. He's revealed that to us. But God also speaks to us, the Bible says, through a still, small voice on the inside of us. See, the scripture says it's not in the loud things. It's not in the showish thing. It's not in the flash, boom, bang. But it's in that still, quiet voice. I, when people say, Pastor, do you hear the voice of God? I really do. But it's not an audible thing for me. I hear God on the inside louder than I can hear you talking to me. You got to learn how to hear God on the inside. But if you're not following him closely, the Bible says even the prayer to unrighteous is an abomination unto God. The Bible says if you regard iniquity in your heart, God won't hear you when you pray. I, I, I tell people, I've had so many people try to give me a word from the Lord that I knew were just, just tore up. I mean, just wretched. Nobody's perfect. I, you don't have to be perfect to have a word from the Lord. That would disqualify all of us. But if you know that you're not even trying to walk with God, stop walking around telling people what God told you to tell them. Let God speak to them on their own. That's a good instruction for somebody here this morning. But before everybody gets weird on this hearing God thing, we know, and I've been teaching y'all for years, first natural, then spiritual. Jesus taught in this pattern. He would talk to farmers in agricultural terms to get them to understand spiritual truth. He would talk to fishermen in fishing terms to get them to understand 
spiritual truth. So think about it this way. If somebody said, I heard Pastor Scott this week, they probably meant they were in a room and they heard the words coming out of my mouth. If somebody said, I heard Pastor Scott speaking this week, they probably were present, listening online, or actually hearing something that was coming out of my mouth. But if you've been around me long enough, and you've listened to me speak long enough, you might start to hear me in your head. Because if I go to the screen, and I point at the screen, and I say that's a comma, then I'm almost always going to say, pay attention to what? Pay attention to the, but you can hear it before I say it. Why? Because you've heard it so much. You've heard it so much. When you've heard somebody, it's just like mama. Mama might not be here anymore, but if you listen to her long enough, you can hear her in your head. Listen, if you've been around me long enough, if you get close enough to me, if you spend time with me, if you really get to know me, you'll know what I have to say about a situation even when I'm not there. People used to ask me, have you checked with so-and-so on that? I'm like, I already know what so-and-so would say. You need to know what God would say. How do we do that? The Bible says we got to get our mind renewed by the word of God. you got to put enough word down on the inside of you so God can pull it back up out of you and remind you of it. Because he's never going to change. He's always going to say what he's already said. So you got to get in this book and you got to hear what God has to say. It all starts with reading the word, spending time alone with God. Listen. You really got to be locked in to truly start hearing. I am skeptical as I can be about people that talk to me about how much they hear God. How much do you read your word? How much do you pray? If you can't pray for 30 minutes but you think you hear God all the time, there's something sketchy about that. If, if you can't read your Bible every day but you think you hear from God, there's just something sketchy about that. Nathan thought he heard from God, but he missed it. Samuel, man of God, thought he heard from God, but he missed it. Listen, just because you hear voices don't mean it's God. And, 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 and as the true church, we need to learn how to discern the voice of God. This is the reason why some churches are so filled up with crazy people. Because they, they get around to some Holy Ghost people, and they confuse the voices in their head for God speaking to them. No, that's schizophrenia, and you need medication. And a counselor, a, 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 a psychiatrist, but it all starts with the word, say Bible. Third thing, and we'll get out of here. You got to stop being so rational all the time. You got to learn to slow down. You got to learn to hear God's voice, and you got to stop being so rational all the time. Now, I'm not saying be irrational. Listen to what I'm talking about. Let me tell you what it means to be rational, to base things on reason. Now, that's good in the business world. That, that's good in the natural world, but that's not faith. faith but faith's not stupid because God's a God of logic. God's a God of making sense. God's a God of order. But we got to stop trying to figure things out. I preached a message one time where I told you what you can't figure out, you got to do what? You got to faith out. See, everything can't be figured out. That's why some of you intellectual types, you just struggle with the kingdom of God. Some of y'all that got to be able to figure everything out, reason everything out, everything's got to make sense to you, you are going to struggle in the kingdom of God because some things don't have an explanation. Some things God does is just going to seem irrational. It didn't seem rational to pick David over them other seven boys. He was the least qualified one in the rational mind, but God says his ways are higher than our ways. It's, it's, it's so much of what God does is it doesn't seem rational, but God knows what he's doing. 
It's not rational to believe a God who is keeping all the planets from colliding, a God who is busy holding the universe together by himself, by his own power, has the time or desire to even listen to you. You can't get, you can't get famous people on the phone. Oh, you might know somebody. You might be able to get a celebrity on the phone. You might be able to get an athlete entertainer on the phone, but you can't get a king on the phone. You can't get President Obama on the phone. You, you can't get President-elect to be on the phone. You, but listen, the God who created everything stops what he's doing to listen to you. The Bible says he bends down and opens his ear to hear us when we talk. That doesn't make sense in the natural world, but our faith says, I believe God hears me. Some of you need to begin to believe that God hears you when you talk. Some people's prayer life is garbage because they really don't believe God is listening. But the Bible says God is listening. So what are we going to believe? We're going to believe what we see or we're going to believe what God tells us. we got to learn how to not be so rational. It's not rational to believe that the God who knows your thoughts still loves you. God hears what you're saying in your head right now. He still loves you. Now, if I could hear everything you're saying in your head right now, I'd rather have some of y'all escorted out. But we got to move past natural and get into supernatural. It's, it's not rational to believe that if you give up 10% of your income, your money's going to get better. Listen, the Bible says that God will bless you and do more with your 90% than you could do with your 100%. But some of the stuff is it's just not rational. You, you might be saying, well, God gave me a brain to think with, and I use my brain to figure things out. That's because you don't like faith. I'm not saying be ignorant. I'm saying choose faith over sight. I'm not saying be irrational. I'm saying choose faith over your ability to rationalize. I'm not saying be irrational. I'm saying choose faith over your intellectual ability to discern things. See, sight says look out for yourself, but faith says deny yourself. Sight says do what makes you happy, but faith says do what makes God happy. Sight says, I know what's best for me, but faith says, God knows what's best for you. Sight says, I can't afford to give my money to the church, but faith says, I'm going to obey God and pay the tithe anyhow. I'm just letting that sink in. Sight says, I don't need a man to tell me what to do, but faith said, God gave us pastors to lead us and teach us and watch out for our souls. Sight says, I can be close to God without going to church. But faith says, we're members of one another and we need to gather together. Sight says, I don't feel good all the time. God said, praise him anyhow. Sight says, I don't feel like life's getting any better. But faith said, this thing's almost over. We're almost to the other side. Sight says, I'll figure out as I go along. But faith says, let God guide you and get you along. I want to finish quick today because I want to get you out of here, but I want you to think about your life before we go. Are you truly living by faith or are you living by rational thinking? Are you truly living by faith or are you living by what you see? Are you truly letting God make your choices? Have you learned how to slow down and pray through? See, because if you make hasty choices, sometimes you'll choose wrong. If you make hasty choices, sometimes you might choose the right thing at the wrong time. Are you praying through? Are you hearing and listening to what God has to say about something? We got to move 
from natural thinking to supernatural living. That's what it means to walk by faith and not by sight. Because God's going to ask you to do some things that your unsafe friends aren't going to understand. I mean, why in the world would anybody get up and come to church on their only day off just to hear the same guy say half the same stuff all the time? How, why would anybody, well, your, your unsafe friends would question you. Why are you going to get up and go to that church your only day off to listen to a guy talk about the same book he's been talking about for 30 years? But faith leads us into what God wants. Natural people, the Bible said, don't, they don't understand things of the Lord. They can't receive spiritual things. If you're saved, the Bible says you have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you, and he can teach you, he can guide you, he can lead you into truth. But listen, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. And the Holy Spirit wants to lead you, but you've got to decide that you're willing to listen. The Holy Spirit wants to lead you, but you've got to decide you're willing to obey. The Holy Spirit wants to lead you, but you got to decide that you're going to let God make your choices for you. Who's really in charge of your life, Christian? Is it you or is it God? Are you doing what you feel is right or are you doing what the Word says is right? Don't try to make sense out of God loving you. Because I'm going to tell you today, it doesn't make sense. Why would a perfect God love imperfect people like us? Why, why would a God who is so holy, who has already declared that his eyes are too pure to even look on sin, why would he even have thought of us? Who are we that the God of all heaven should even be mindful of us? That makes no sense. God could get better. God could have created a better group of people. But the Bible says he loves you. That's his voice. You got to learn to hear it. And you got to learn to believe it. So what are you going to do? Are you going to see with your eyes? Or are you going to see through faith? Start looking deeper, Christian. Start examining deeper. In all your choices, learn to look deeper. In all the decisions you have to make, learn to slow down and follow by faith. Faith says, I believe in a hill called Mount Calvary. I've never been to Israel. I'd like to go. Before Gail died, a couple in our church had paid our way to go on a trip. And the trip got canceled because there was unrest in the Middle East. I've never been to Israel. I love to go sometime. But I don't have to go there. I've talked to people who've been there and like, I've been to the tomb where they buried Jesus. And that's cool. I talked to people that have been baptized in the Jordan River where Jesus was baptized and that's cool, but I don't have to go all the way to Israel to believe that Jesus was buried in a tomb. I don't have to go all the way to Israel to believe there's a Jordan River. See, I believe every word in this book. And if I will follow the words in this book, listen, it'll let me off the hook. If you let God make your decisions for you, Christian, it'll let you off the hook. If you would just decide, I'm going to do what the Word tells me to do, you won't have so many difficult decisions to make. You can just let your faith lead you and let your faith guide you. We used to sing a song that says, I believe in the old rugged cross. Do you believe in the cross on which Jesus died? 
Do you believe this man we talk about called Jesus was really alive 2,000 years ago? Do you really believe that God came down from heaven, took on the form of a human being, was born at a baby in a manger, grew up, lived a perfect life, never did anybody wrong, never sinned, went through horrible fake trials and never opened his mouth to defend himself, was beaten, scourged, mocked, spit on, hung naked on a cross between heaven and earth, and rose again on the third day after they buried him in a borrowed tomb. Do you really believe that all the way down on the inside of you? See, everybody believes in Jesus. He's the most documented human being in the world. Everybody believes in Jesus. That's like asking, do I believe in George Washington? Well, I believe George Washington was a person. I had no faith in him. I, I don't bet in my life on him. I don't, I don't look to him for any type of guidance. Everybody believes Jesus was a person. That won't get you to heaven. Do you believe Jesus lived died and rose again on the third day because the bible says if you'll confess with your mouth the lord jesus and believe in your heart that god raised him from the dead you will be saved some of y'all are never going to get this thing and you're always going to feel like a square peg in a round hole one of the greatest burdens of my life pastor in all these years is watching people try to fit in watching people good people people who really wanted to connect and 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 be who God wanted them to be, but never really truly got saved. Do you really know for sure that you're born again? Because the Bible says unless you're born again, you can't even enter into the kingdom of God. You see, it's not about joining a church. It's not, it's not about reciting a creed. It's about having an experience, a supernatural Holy Ghost experience that changes you from the inside out. On July 15, 1981, by myself in my bedroom, on the side of my bed, between the wall and my bed, I got on my knees, and I asked God to save me. And he changed me, and he gave me the ability to believe in him. Some of you have weak faith because you don't have salvation. You're just a good person. You're just a church person. Some of y'all have weak prayer life because you don't have salvation. You've never been born again. You can come and listen to all the messages you want to listen to, and I encourage you to keep coming. At some point, you're going to have to make a decision for the Lord. Is it going to be about you or is it going to be about God? If you're here and you know that you're saved, you ought to understand that if he bought you, he's in charge. The Bible says we were bought with a price. We're not our own. That we have a king to follow. We have a Lord to obey. And I came today to tell you it is time for us to get on with the obedience. It is time for us to put away some things and stop living natural and start living supernatural. It's time for us to stop seeing things the way the world sees things. See, I, I see people every day still fighting about this election, and I, I understand the fight. But we got to move past fighting and just move into the realization it doesn't matter who the president is. Jesus is still the king. We got to realize it doesn't matter who the world says is in charge. We know who's really in charge. It doesn't matter what, the, what it looks like is going on. I, good, I've talked to Christians, I mean really faith people, who've told me, well, the doctor said thus and so, but I'm believing God. I like that kind of faith. I'm not talking about an ignorant faith. I'm talking about a faith that goes beyond the natural. Does your faith go beyond the natural? Do you have faith to really believe God for miracles? When you pray, do you believe God hears you? When you ask God for things that nobody but him can do, do you believe that it's even possible? 
I've told you before, I believe the reason why people in Africa and people in third world countries see people raised from the dead and, and instantaneous healing uh, the, is because they only have God to hold on to. They can't go to the emergency room. I'll give you one quick story about me, and I'll get out of here. I was telling this to my kids the other day. They were asking me if I ever uh, broke a bone in my body, and I've broken fingers and toes. And I remember one time I broke my big toe. I was in the living room, broke my big toe, and it was bent over, hang that way. And it was, I mean, it was like a cartoon. It was like just hurting and swelling and just crippling me with pain. And Gail said, baby, we should go to the doctor. And I said, well, they don't do anything for broke fingers and toes. So all we can do is pray. You realize that's the way church folk talk? Well, I can't do anything for you, but I can at least pray for you. You can at least pray. You can at best pray. Prayer can do more than anything else can do. Because when you pray and you ask God to do something, the Bible says he can do better than you ask. He said he can do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. And so we got together and we prayed. Silly as it might sound to you, this thing was hurting me. We prayed and asked God to heal my toe. And without me, because I was going to have to reach down and pop it back into place. And I wasn't looking forward to that at all. And we watched my toe go. And the swelling come out of my toe and the pain go away. Now, that might not sound like a big story to you. And that's not like what people are seeing around the world. But what I'm telling you is when you don't have anything else to trust but God, you'll find out that's all that you need to trust. That's where you should have started. We trust in medicine too much. We trust in doctors too much. We trust in intellect too much. We trust in schooling too much. We trust in people too much. We trust in preachers too much. We trust in man too much. When does the church really stop what they're doing and trust in the Lord? The Bible says to trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. As you go about your week this week, I want you to really believe that God knows what he's doing. And I want you to really believe that God can lead you. Start listening. Start listening on the inside. Start reading this word and asking God to speak to you. Start asking God to guide you. The Bible says as many as are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. All of God's children should be being led by the Holy Ghost. If you don't feel the Holy Ghost urging you and moving you and guiding you and navigating you through life, then you're missing out. See, for some people, all they know about God is church. And church won't do for you what God can do for you. You can get a lot of good out of church, but it won't do for you what God can do for you. So if you're here today and you're not saved, I already told you. All you got to do is ask God to save you. He said, anybody who calls on me, I'll save them. You don't have to walk an aisle. You don't have to pray with me. You don't have to hold my hand. You don't have to sign a card. All you have to do is get real with God. You say, well, I've done that before, and it didn't work. Me too. I did it several times, and it didn't work for me. What happened? The Bible says that when you search for him with your whole heart, then you'll find him. When you really get ready to do real business with God, God will do real business with you. And if you are saved, I want you to choose a faith life over what you see.
I want you to choose a faith life over what you think. I want you to choose to let God guide you more than your brain guides you. Smart people struggle with that. They just think they're going to figure everything out. Let me tell you something. The God that made you smart knows more than you do. Learn to follow him. Learn to hear him. Learn to be led by him. His ways aren't our ways, the Bible says, but his ways are better. He's a loving father that cares for you, and he would never lead you wrong. But you got to desire a faith life. you got to desire to move past where you are. I think if we were honest today, we could all admit, I need to get on with the getting on. When are you going to get sick and tired of being sick and tired? When are you going to get ready just to say, I don't only believe that God created me for a purpose. I want to walk in my purpose. When are you going to get on with saying, I not only believe that God has destiny for me, but I want to walk in that destiny. It's about faith. It's not always what you can see. It's not always what you can hear with your ear. It's not always what you can figure out with your brain. But you go to the word and God will lead you. And he will teach you how to hear his voice. And he'll give you a life where you can truly have peace on the inside that nobody understands. He will give you a life so much better than the church existence you're living. He will give you an abundant life. That's what our Father wants for us, to move us out of the natural and into the supernatural. Pray with me. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you, God, for giving us the faith to believe in you. God, I pray that you would elevate our faith to where we would choose faith over intellect, to where we would choose faith over sight, to where we would choose you over our own way, to where we would follow you and not a person. You alone are worthy. You created us. You created everything that is. You loved us and you sent your son to die for us and to pay the price for our salvation. So today we say thank you, God, for saving us. We thank you for faith to believe in you. And we ask you, God, to strengthen our faith. Lord, we believe. Help our unbelief. God, we want to be led by your spirit. So, God, I pray today that you'd fill us with the Holy Ghost. God, I pray that you would fill us to a place where we think like you and we see like you. And we believe the way you want us to believe. Increase us, God, is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast and visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church, loving God, loving people.